this edition of Amazing Arizonans, I think this is an important piece, especially if you're a veteran here in Arizona. You're going to recognize the name of the company for sure. But Dave McIntyre from TriWest, uh, it's great to have you here. It's good to be here. Let's talk about the history of this for a minute, because not that this is important to anybody else, but... I, back in my previous life, was your electrician, and you didn't even know that. Yes, sir. I was working in your building in the mid-90s as the electrician with your facilities department, so I was familiar with you long before you were familiar with me. Thanks for the great work. You <laughs> kept the lights on. I did, and it's still there. Nothing's burned. Nothing's yep. caught on fire. So it's all good. Okay, good, good. But I was familiar with, with TriWest Healthcare Alliance, what you did as far as the military insurance went, TRICARE. Can you yep. explain a little bit about how your history and how that happened and why it's so important in Arizona? Sure. Back in 1995, the leadership at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona wanted to serve the military. And um, we put forth a bid, um, formed a company that was... Um, made up of the nonprofit blues like Brook Cross Blue Shield of Arizona and two university hospital systems. We spent 18 months in that bid process and we were selected. And we had nine months to build the company and then start serving um, active duty military, guard members, retirees, and their families. And we did that for 18 years in the West. And so this was no small undertaking. We're talking about all the military members yes. in those states. So this was not only something that was critical, but it was massive. Yep. How many people did you employ at that time? Uh, we had about uh, 1,400 employees um, in the first chapter. So then the way you and I became more familiar was at the time when all of the news came out about what was happening at the VA and they were overwhelmed and, and we know about the scandals and things that happened. But a solution that Senator McCain worked on along with Bernie Sanders, Senator Sanders, was to come up with what we called the choice card so that, and so that veterans would be able to go outside of the VA system when it was necessary. But you were chosen to implement that. Was it nationwide or just in the Western United States? We were one of two companies selected to do that work. We were selected in the West and had the privilege of building some networks to support VA. And that was in September of 2013. We went live in the VA work, including in the state of Arizona, um, in January of 2014. April of 2014 is the time at which the VA crisis um, hit the newspapers and hit the radio waves. And we, from that point forth, had to rapidly in succession follow what Congress wanted to do and with VA re-engineer um, the systems and the programs. So it began as a small contract that was focused on specialty care. It quickly added primary care. Then we added mental health and we added urgent care um, as we went along over the course of about a year. I think most people assume that 
what we were doing for the veterans was the best possible care. And this isn't to denigrate anyone else, but there was there was a lot of shortcomings. It was what I was hearing from veterans were when they were in the VA system, they loved the care and they loved the people. But the difficulty was in how overwhelmed the VA was. And this kind of supplemented that. But you had to really start this from the ground up. This was blazing a new trail. You weren't filling a void. You were creating a system, weren't you? How did what did what went into that? Correct. Just like we did in the DOD lane back um, 18 years prior. So this was our second chapter of doing this startup. And uh, we basically looked at it as we were second in line. Um, the way you have characterized this is right in that um, the veterans want to get their care coordinated and provided to the degree that's available by VA directly. But you know, if you think about it, we're in Arizona, and we have snowbirds. And you can't staff to the capacity that you need in the winter to provide all services. So what they needed was a wrapper um, that gave them the elasticity to provide all services, whether they did it directly or indirectly. If you go to the state of Montana, which we also serve, um, they, um, back in the day, wanted people served in VA and either getting their care in Montana, or if it wasn't available, they shipped them to Seattle. Wow. Now, all veterans in Montana, for the most part, get their care in Montana, first from the VA, and secondly, from providers and hospitals that exist in our network to supplement what they do. The other piece of that is the providers, because a provider wants to make sure they're going to get paid in a right timely on. fashion. So that had to be a piece for them as well. When you bring in a new system like this, providers had to have some assurances that they were going to get paid in a timely fashion. How did you handle that? Well, and uh, that's very um, attuned to what the issues were because the doctors had not been well paid, meaning they weren't paid on time. It wasn't accurate. They had chased their bills. And we now pay um, all claims for the services that we order on behalf of the VA in five days on average and to 99% accuracy. So we believe at the end of the day that you should get paid right and on time for what you do. Then the VA reimburses us for what we paid. Um, they're required to do it in 30 days, they do it in seven. So we've made a, a hell of a lot of progress, all of us, in um, putting 2014 a long way in the rearview mirror. And the choosing TriWest made so much sense because you had been so sensitive to the needs of the military. So many of those people in that 20 years you were in that space were now outside of the military and were considered veterans. So they were familiar with TriWest. You were familiar with them. But now you're going to go back to doing both. What is that going to look like for your company where you're both serving the military and the veteran community? Well, we're going to go to doing both because we first did the OD. Now we've supported the VA over the last 10 years, having done 60 million health 
their encounters. Mm. Everything from transplants to heart to acupuncture to births to mental health, all in support of the VA, not desiring to erode them, but to strengthen them. And we were selected um, recently by the Defense Department to come back to their side, and we will now have a responsibility starting 1-1 of 25 for TRICARE, which is the parallel program. If you think about it, you know, at the end of the day, your brother served, right? Um, You don't become a veteran unless you went to boot camp. Right. And so that longitudinal journey is really important. And so in the state of Arizona, for example, um, whether you're um, in the DOD system or in the VA system, if you need care downtown, you will be getting it from the same network the same doctor. So the doctor that served you downtown in the DOD will serve you in the VA in the future um, when you have to get cared for downtown. The doctor will be able to send its bill to one place. And so it'll make things more efficient and more effective for everyone involved. So, and we, I know that there was an issue in the past, and forgive me, I don't know the answer to any of this, that in the past there was a transition period when someone separated from the military. There was sometimes a six-month period before they were into that VA status, and there was some reimbursement that came back, but for six months, there was that gap. Does this, having you do both, does this streamline that where there isn't that big gap between status as a military member and veteran status? The government's done an amazing job in the last several years to try and tighten that down. Um, As we come back to the side of the DOD and in turn also have the VA relationship, it's going to allow us to collectively tighten that even further. And as a, I would assume, as a veteran, as a veteran, that having the familiarity with TRICARE in the military, that transition's got to be so much easier to go then with the same company just on a different side as a veteran. It's got to be helpful for the patient as well. We hope so. (laughs) Hope, you know it's going to be. I mean, this has got to be something that's going to be good for them. Yep. So let's talk about the benefit to Arizona, because you're an Arizona company. When this is up at full strength, what is the how many people will you employ in the state of Arizona? We'll probably have um, added to our uh, roles as employees a couple thousand employees. Um, Some of them will be in this state and some of them will be in other places. We're in the process of sorting out what that will look like. Uh, But you should think about this ecosystem as not just employees because we're going to be making use increasingly of small businesses and veteran-owned small businesses. So we believe that that's our responsibility, and it's in line with what we owe people who served, and it's in line with the government policy. And so we're going to find ourselves in a place where we're not only hiring people, but we're also contracting with companies that will assist us in that 
that ecosystem. When you look at the relationship with the Veterans Administration, when you look at that relationship, it, it would seem at the beginning, at least from my point of view, that it was could have almost been adversarial. Like this was a knock against the VA to bring someone in like you to fix what was, but that wasn't necessarily the case. This has kind of been a symbiotic relationship where you work with them just to make the whole system better. Is that true? That's very true in terms of our approach. Um, were there people along the way that took umbrage to the fact that we were at their side? Yes. Um, has that changed and lessened over time? You bet it has. And, um, you know, the new director in Phoenix, Brian Matthews, he's an Air Force vet by background. This is a team sport, right? And we as a company, from our very first beginnings, sought not to replace government. We're here to expand on what the government's able to do directly. And the government necessarily should be in charge. So we're second in line, not first in line. And a lot of people find that really strange, right? Here's a company that could make more money by you know, the conflict to try and be first in line. But it's really important to us that the government systems and personnel and supplies that we've all paid for get maximized, right? And there's plenty of food to go around. How much feedback do you get from the veteran community? So we under, I mean, I did that press conference with Senator McCain when the first, when this all first happened and yeah. how upset people were. But as time went on, as your systems were put in place to supplement, do you reach out and get feedback? And what has that feedback been? Yes, we do. And we're regularly um, soliciting feedback from veterans and the organizations that represent them. I'd say that um, we are at a place now where this system is very stable. And um, in the last couple of years, particularly on under the leadership of this secretary, um, there's been a lot of change. And they're starting now to focus on the last mile issue, which is this shouldn't be competition between the VA and the private sector, or vice versa. This is about the VA owning responsibility and owning the footprint of care where they can deliver it, but then taking the responsibility to use the tools that are in their tool bag that John McCain and others helped you know, give them. Yeah. And, um, you know, people pay a high price for service, as you know personally. Mm -hmm. And it's important that as they take off their uniform or as they and their family are serving and have needs, that the government stands up to that responsibility. And I think the proud moment that we all have over the last decade is that both in the DOD health space and in the VA health space. Congress, for the most part, has not been partisan. And the budget increases and the commitments to make change have been real 
and they've made good on them, right? And you just look at what's happened in the last year or so and the doubling down on the responsibility to be there for people that have had toxic exposure from their service. It's a great, that was a question I was going to ask next was about the PACT Act. Can you expand on what's happening there? Yeah, so if you if you served in Vietnam, the Gulf War, um, you know, post 9-11, and you were, for example, next to burn pits, or you were exposed to Agent Orange, you have eligibilities now for coverage and protection and services that weren't there before. And the government's made very much its commitment real in this space. The trick is people only have till September 30th of this year to contact the government and get themselves in the queue for those services. And that means if you got if you had Agent Orange exposure and you have cancers as a result, the government owns the responsibility to make sure that you get what you need and that the government pays the bill. And the same thing's true for people that served post 9-11 that might have been one next to one of the burn pits in Iraq or might have been in Afghanistan in the hills where there were landmines buried in the ground from the Soviets. This stuff is real. Um, the government is very intentional in making good on this. It's not partisan. It's not a trick. There's hundreds of millions of dollars that have been set aside for this. And it's all about the government trying to keep faith with the commitments that they have to those who have served. And if you'll permit me, sure. I have a phone number sure. that people could use if they've not enrolled and they should. It's one 800 698 2411. So along the lines of verification, I don't, maybe this isn't your uh, what you guys do, but the verification of those things you just talked about has been an issue that I've heard from veterans in the past, that they have said, this has been happening to me, my doctors have been saying this, we can't get relief from the VA. Is that being expedited now? Are they taking ownership like you, like you said? Oh, yes, it is. And that brought IBM, one of our partners, to the table. They re-engineered the filing of claims in this space. And rather than it taking on average 12 to 18 months, they get those claims processed in a matter of weeks. One of the other questions that I asked a long time ago, and maybe it's been answered, has been, uh, let me give you a scenario. And that is um, a veteran isn't feeling well on a Friday night. There isn't a facility, a VA facility they're going to be able to go to. I can take my health insurance. I can go to urgent care. I can go in and see somebody. Is that door open to veterans? Has it always been open and it was just a misnomer that it wasn't? Or is that something available to them now and it wasn't before? So if it's emergent, they have protection and they can use the services that they need in the environment. Um, if it's urgent care that's their need, John McCain was part of making um, a pilot project real in California and in Arizona to test the assumption of whether people could make that work. 
And so we now have an urgent care network between us and one other company that stretch across the country. So you have an urgent care facility within 30 minutes of every person's house. And that's now in place and it's being used. It's the fourth highest um, service that we deliver under what's called the community care networks. Let's. We, you've mentioned Senator McCain a couple of times. I had a great rapport with the senator at the beginning of all of this. Um, let, can we talk about the importance of his work on this issue? Because I think his legacy stands for itself in so many different levels. But when it comes to this issue, is there anyone who worked harder to make this happen in our government? There's no one that worked harder. And there's no one that challenged government the way that John did on this issue. And um, he wasn't on the VA committee. Uh, but John made good on his knowledge, on his responsibility, and on um, what he was able to do as a senior member of uh, Congress. And, um, you know, he was passionate about this topic, and he didn't want to get in the way of that passion. <laughs> that is, um, that is a very diplomatic way of saying it. He held all of us responsible. He did. And he held himself responsible. And uh, I had the good fortune of being uh, at the other end of that from time to time. Uh, but John was someone who is sorely missed. Um, there are people in Congress that have taken up his mantle following his departure, but he did a, a remarkable job in making sure that the government, both in the DOD space and now in the VA space, is going to live up to its responsibilities to those who raise the right hand and serve the country. At the beginning of this journey, where I was, you know, where I saw it from, from a media point of view, and doing that event with the senator at the Burton Bar Library, yeah. the look on his face of determination, I can't think of any other word to say about it, and wanting to get something done and then how quickly, and for him to reach across the aisle and work with Senator Sanders on this, of all people, yeah. such polar opposites politically, um, but to get something done in the f government terms very quickly, yeah. but then to get this working was nothing short of miraculous. Well, they did, and it was nonpartisan, and it made for strange bedtime. It sure did. And then they handed to the VA a requirement to stand this thing up in 90 days, which is damn near impossible. And it was a privilege for our entire team to be at their side and make that happen. And the government had to make some adjustments to how they do things um, to meet that 90-day timeline. Um, you know, one of my proudest moments um, in this journey um, in watching Senator McCain was the last House hearing that he ever participated in. And they asked him to come, both sides of the aisle, 
at the VA committee hearing that was chaired by now Governor uh, of Minnesota, Tim Walz, who at the time, uh, back in the day, was a customer of ours in Minnesota as a Guard member before he went to Congress. Um, and he asked him to come to this hearing because there was an impediment in the law, and it was about this card, right? Was it the card that mattered, or was it the concept of being able to have options and choice that mattered? And John told him, you know, it's not about this card. Don't get it wrong. You know, and at the end of the day, he made it possible for the log jam to get cleared and for all of them to move forward. And John got a standing ovation from all of the members at the end of his testimony. I was on the plane flying back on America West at the time uh, and uh, was came back. John's sitting in like row 14C or something like that. And he says to me, he said, that was the proudest moment of my entire career because people dropped the partisanship mm -hmm. and were focused on those that served and what could they do to make it better. Yeah, I, I, every, I think the majority of these amazing Arizonans, we've done these podcasts. Senator McCain's name has come up in one way or another. And it isn't people in the political world necessarily, the military or the uh, veterans world. It, it, he had such an impact on the state of Arizona. And it was who he was. It was how he served. And um, to hear that doesn't, I didn't know that story. That's one of the stories I've never heard. But it doesn't surprise me because he was someone that was just so passionate on the topic that it didn't matter who he had to sway or where they stood politically. It was an incredible, I mean, really an incredible effort on his part. He was a great American, and he was focused on the people that served and the government's responsibility back in return. So let me go back for a moment. I'm going in such the wrong order. <laughs> but after hearing you tell some of these stories, standing this up in 90 days, when McCain came to you or you went to him when the timeline came out that we're doing this in 90 days. How did you respond? What was your response that you knew that part of this was on you? He was a long way from the space where I realized it was going to be 90 days. And that was probably good for both of us. Um, the VA came to us and said, we got this responsibility and you're doing part of the work um, and we need to fashion this together. And so together with the other company at the time, we shaped the solutions and we shaped the implementation and then we got down to work. You know, it's a little bit like, how did the average American in the Army respond after Pearl Harbor? Mm -hmm. What happened in Normandy? You know, those guys climbed the cliffs. They did. And so we tried to put ourselves mentally as a group, all of us, in that frame of mind. You know, we got a job to do. It's, a, it's very difficult. But if we think about those who preceded us um, and those that we are responsible for serving, both the VA and ourselves, 
the job got a lot easier because they became the inspiration for the work that we're going to do on their behalf. And we got that done. Then we had a situation where the other company that was serving at our side got fired by the VA. And then the VA turned to us and said, we need you to stand up the other half of the country. You no big na- deal. You have 90 days to do oh it. Oh, my gosh. And we did it together with government. Congress, the VA, the White House at the time, and uh, we made it happen. And we had the opportunity together to save the system because if we had said we can't do this, it's impossible, um, you know, the system would have collapsed. So it's been a really interesting journey to this point, and we are looking forward to the next generation. So that's the question. The opportunity to bring the DOD up and to bring the DOD and the VA side by side on our part of the work. So how does the, what does that look like? What's the future look like? Because you you and I have had conversations about the expa- where this started in its infancy and then where it got to and how it's expanded. Is it done with that expansion or is there another generation? What's the next improvement that needs to happen? So I think um, there's three pieces that are important in this space. Um, One is to have a common medical record between the DOD and the VA. That's underway now. It's really expensive. It takes a long time. It's hard to do. Um, The government is making that happen. Um, Second is joint staffing and joint facilities. And I think we're starting to see the VA and the DOD collaborating much more in that regard. And the third is what we're going to be birthing, which is common networks. Right. So you have one network to draw from to serve both sides. And as all that gets stood up, then the opportunity to thread pieces together to make things both more effective and more efficient is going to be very real. Can you give that phone number out again? I would just like for anybody that's watching to be able to have that number handy because the deadline's approaching pretty quickly and it's an important number to have. Yes, sir. The PACT Act phone number is 800-698-2411. I appreciate the time and the story. Uh, you know, uh, The idea of the podcast has been to just tell great stories of things that are happening in Arizona. And I don't think there's any way with the veteran community we have in this state and how proud we are of it and the military community that we could tell anything about Arizona without including what you've done over the past 20 plus years uh, in Arizona. And I just want to thank you for everything you've done and what you're going to do and for just being a part of this community and quietly serving um, without being out there flashing it in, in, in bright lights. It's really been humble service and I think it's a fantastic story. Well, thank you and my entire team thanks you because it's been a full team lift and the average tender in our management team is 20 plus years. Wow. So they've been through the fires and we're getting ready for the last climb and strapping down the ropes and getting ready to climb cliffs. Um, Thank you for your service. Um, for that of your brother 
and for all that you've done um, to enlighten all of us on topics that matter. I think that um, I think that it was it's been important to me after I lost my brother. My brother was killed, but the, all the words we got about him from the men he served with and his service to them yep. that had he survived that night, yep. he would have been dramatically changed. And I don't know how that would have looked, yep. but he would have needed to rely on the care that you provide, that his life would have depended on that care in some way. And I can't think of a better way of honoring him than by making sure the stories like yours are told and that those programs are available to the men and women that served because they've earned it. They've earned every bit of this. And uh, I think that's why I, I, I admire you so much because I know you've spent your career dedicated to making sure that these men and women, whether they're in the military or in the veteran community, get the things that they have earned and they get it in a timely fashion and they get it in an excellent fashion. So I can't thank you enough. And I'm starting to tear up just talking about it because it's so important that these men and women get what they've earned. And without organizations like yours, who knows what that would look like? It's been an awesome privilege. And the next chapter is going to be the same. Dave McIntyre from TriWest, whether it's TriWest Healthcare Alliance, TRICARE, whatever you call it, if you are a veteran or you're in the military, if you're not familiar right now, you're going to be. And uh, such a great story. Thank you. Thank you.